Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. This episode is titled Olympics Part 2. We discuss the U.S. Women's National Team and their attempt at going for the gold medal at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, as well as discussion around mental health and the Simone Biles situation. So we hope you enjoy this episode. We also want to let you know at the end, we do have a fact check um, about some of the things that were discussed. So we hope you enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I'm your host and the director of Female Footballers. We have our staff on today or part of our staff on today. And we are going to be discussing the Olympics part two, um, all things from the U.S. Women's National Team to some of the mental health discussions surrounding other Olympic athletes. So without further ado, I want everyone to make sure they introduce themselves so you know who's talking. So again, I'm Cassie. Go ahead, Haley. Hi, I'm Healy Lucas. I'm the Mentor Program Director. I'm going to pass it off to Jordan. Hi there, I'm Jordan. I am a mentor and I'll pass it off to Kira. Hi, I'm Kira, and I'm a mentor as well. And I'll pass it off to Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. I write curriculum for female footballers and I'll pass it off to Lou. Hey everyone, I'm Lou. I'm one of the mentors here at Female Footballers and I'm passing the baton back to Cassie. All right, so just so you all know who's talking, it's important that um, we're gonna have a lot of opinions that we know who's saying what. Um, so this past week, we're in day nine, I believe of the Olympics or yesterday was day nine. It's been very confusing waking up and we are learning all of the scores of everything and then watching it later. <laughs> it's kind of driving me nuts. I don't know about you guys, but um, so we'll start in the soccer world. Our women's national team just won in a shootout with the Netherlands. They play technically tonight, but tomorrow against Canada in the semifinals. Um, there's been a lot of opinions surrounding the team. I've read some articles about people being happy that they, that they lost the first game. People um, really critiquing and criticizing the coach on his choices. Um, people thinking they weren't in shape um so just curious I want to hear your guys' thoughts I'll tell you mine I I kind of feel like um this was inevitable you win 44 games in a row you're gonna lose and it's important that you lose and you learn from your losses it just sucks that it happened to be in the Olympics um but I think that's a lot of pressure going in to defend the title and never lose so when you read some of the comments about people kind of surprised that they lost it's like that's normal I don't know that's my view what do you guys think jump right in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, personally, I, 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 oh, go ahead, Jordan. Oh, I was just gonna say something really quick that I think um, it's actually exciting that they lost in the sense that it shows like the growth that's happening in women's soccer all over the world. Like I think the US has been so dominant for so long and like obviously that's great and I support them, but I think having, um, like Sweden and, and the Netherlands re really give them um, a run for their money, like shows how, how, how much stronger women's soccer is becoming all over the world. And I think increased competition is only gonna make them better in that. And so I think it's kind of exciting. Yeah, I, um, the, the Netherlands, uh, this is their first World Cup, is that right? Or their second? 
or I'm sorry, Olympics. They, they were in the first World Cup was 2015 and then their second was 2019. I think this might be their first Olympics they qualified, maybe their second, but they're such a young team. And for them to be doing so well, I mean, it, it's pretty incredible and led by a really awesome coach, it seems like, um, who they really enjoy. Um, was interesting. And then the other kind of factoid that I thought was interesting was Sweden's whole back line plays um, for Bayern Munich. And, and you could tell in that game that they were really gelled as a back line. And, and I, so that's just an interesting sort of factoid about the growth of the game in Europe and the growth of the game here and how that's impacting um, national teams. Yeah, Jordan, that, that's a great point. I don't know that I really thought about it that way, but I think that that's a really, really good point in my opinion that like, you're right, the growth of female soccer is really um, increasing across the world, which is really beautiful. So for me, one of the things that I thought was interesting, you know, yeah, I think you need to be able to, they were uncontested almost for a long time because like Jordan said, the growth of the game wasn't really there, but it's having them lose, like Cassie said, it's inevitable but I think it's also such a good platform for growth. And it shows like, I think that, you know, as people are following the U S women's national team, it almost like was like understood that they had to win almost. Right. So now it's also showing that, yeah, even the pros they win and they lose. It's not very common to win a 44 game streak. Right. So now how can they recover from that? How can they respond from that? So I think it was, you know, all in all, it sucks that it was in the Olympics, even though I'm Canadian and now we're going to face you guys in the yeah. you know, eyes, <laughs> but I'll be up watching the game. Um, but I think it was good. I think it'll be, you know, it shows them like, okay, now we have to put grit in because now people are coming and they're, they're just as good as we are, or they're challenging us in ways that we've not been challenged before. So how can we rise up to the plate? Right. Yeah. We'll have to, we're going to come back to this Canadian rivalry. Go ahead, Kira. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it shows character too. When you lose a match, how you respond to the next one is so important. And I'm proud. I'm proud of the women to come back and figure it out and find success and continue to move forward. Haley, any thoughts? Yeah, I think just echoing that, Sweden played a hell of a game. Um, they dominated and it wasn't necessarily because the United States like didn't show up. Like they were just winning challenges and being incredibly dominant. So it was ex like everyone's kind of mentioned, it was exciting to watch and see. Um, and you've got big name players on all of these Olympic teams that are making such an impact. And it's fun. Sports are competitive and that's what makes them fun. If they're not competitive, especially in the world's, one of the world's biggest stages, the Olympics, then I don't think it's as maybe gratifying or exciting um, when you just blow everyone out every game. I agree yeah, with that. I, yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rach. Oh, I was also going to say that I, I don't know the background on like Sweden's preparation for the Olympics and, and, you know, the various teams, I know New Zealand had like kind of a crazy weird, you know, they, cause they of the COVID rules. So build, building up to this Olympics, every team was put in different situations than previous Olympics and the U S you know, they were playing, the, the games they were playing leading up to the Olympics weren't against the strongest opponents. And so I, you know, that's one factor um, to think about, but people talked about their fitness and I think they're quite fit. I mean, I don't think fitness is an issue. Um, and man, I just feel for these athletes, like not just the soccer players, but all of these Olympians, it looks so 
hot <laughs> and miserable that way, trying to trying to stay mentally or just physically and mentally prepared in that um, situation. But I I do think that you know there there is that factor that I don't know who the Netherlands was able to scrimmage against before they came to Japan. But um, you know the U.S. didn't get the strongest teams to play against preparing for this specific tournament. I think the heat is a good point. Um, I've heard from a few friends are like, they just don't look fit. And I'm like, I think they just look exhausted and it's because it's super hot. And then another friend of mine was mentioning how she thought that was why there hasn't been the same starting lineup each game just to save legs. What do you guys think about the starting lineups in the kind of the, there's a lot of, I mean, that first game pulling Sam is, and there's been a lot of controversial like pulls and starts and all that kind of stuff. And, I don't know what to think on that. What do you guys think? I think one of the ways that the U.S. really stands out is just the depth of bench. Other countries don't necessarily have that. And so when I see the lineup change, I don't ever go, oh, why are they playing that player over another? Like they are all so strong and good and bring such value that the changes in the roster, I don't ever see that as like, oh, they're taking it light this game. Because as you can see, like Lynn Williams um, comes in, gets an assist and a goal. And that's not someone's name that we typically always hear, but what an asset she is to the team. And everyone brings such great value. So I think people are used to seeing like star players, but everyone on that team is super capable of doing amazing things. I think it's interesting too, because with the way the women, the world women's world cup and the Olympics line up, they're one year apart. And this year it's obviously two because the Olympics were postponed, but I, I wonder what, how that affects things too, because it, like you're saying, Haley, people expect these certain names, right. Or these certain players. But of course we know that that pool is constantly changing. There's so much talent in the U S and in the U S system that, that could change anytime. And really any of these players could get put in. I was, I was excited to see some of the younger players like Tierna playing in the back line in that second game. I was stoked for her. And I thought she did well, like to step into the Olympics say, okay, now you're starting in the back. Cause I'm not, I was never a defender, but I, it was, must be so stressful <laughs> to like all of a sudden you're in the game. Um, and that of course, you know, most coaches talk about like your back line, keeping that as steady as possible. Um, I was a little, I, I understand that the Olympics, the way it works, but I was, I was wanting a little more gusto in that Australia game. Um, you know, I don't like as a coach, I don't like to play for a tie, but I get tournament play also. So I know that's not, I'm not really jumping on any side of that, but I was like, no, don't just keep playing or passing it around, like go, like try to get that, especially after had that first loss to try to give them, you know, and then they obviously did well against New Zealand, but just to sort of give them a little more lift, but um, you know. Yeah, it's, um, it's been interesting. And I, and to be like, the coach's decisions have been kind of interesting too. And I kind of wonder, and those of you who are currently still playing professionally, like when you're used to being a starter for those 44 games and then you're either pulled or you don't start the next game, whether it's for saving your legs or not, it's got to throw you off a little bit, right? Like there's a rhythm to all of that. And I think that um, those first two games, I was like, Abby Dahlkemper, in my opinion, didn't play that great. And she stayed on that second game. And I was sort of like, wait, you pulled Sauerbrunn, but you 
like, you know, just some of the decisions I was like, wow, that would, wouldn't be what I would do, but you know, whatever. But I wondered if that rattles something like a Sam Mewis getting pulled because she's playing poorly. That's got to rattle a player like that who's not used to having those moments. And it's a good thing, I think, because you don't want them to always assume that they're going to play through. But it, I do think that that mentally plays a role in some of their um, abilities to bounce back or or show that that level of mental toughness or whatnot. I think it definitely can rattle a player, but I also get the sense that on a team, this U.S. team and U.S. teams in general strike me as so mission-oriented that the changes in lineup are very purposeful and the team knows what roles they play. And of course, it's people's egos and their needs get in the way, of course, and they're going to have those feelings. But I would just hope that the head coach is very communicative about those things, because the only reason I think it rattles someone is when a coach makes a decision and doesn't include you in the conversation or why it's happening. And that's the biggest reason that you're like, Hey, what the heck is happening versus we're resting your legs because we need you for this game, or we're trying to give other people playtime, whatever the reason is, I think as long as, and it applies to the business world too, when people are on the same page, you get better results. Absolutely. I agree with that. Any other thoughts about the women's national team heading into this game against Canada? Maybe we come back to that. For those of you <laughs> listeners, um, Lou, our mentor, is Canadian, so I'm just curious, who are you rooting for, Lou? Like, <laughs> Oh, God, I'm torn. I'm, you know, but I think I just have to go with uh, my patriotic self and go Canada, guys. Sorry about it. I'm excited <laughs> not to banter with you when we're watching. Heck yeah. Whoever's up at 1 a.m., prepare to get some text messages, okay? <laughs> now I feel like I need to wake up and watch it. Like, <laughs> Come on, Cassie. Let's go. Viewing party. Let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah, it should be a great game. I'm excited. I'm excited for Christine Sinclair. She's, um, for, for all of you youngins on this call, she's my age. And I grew up playing against her, and I'm just stoked that she's still in it, and uh, that she's still balling at her age, and that she's you know, she's really, really great player to watch, and I, I like watching her a lot. So, and the development of their um, program has been incredible. Um, oh, yeah. You know, after hosting the the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, and I mean even before that, but just the trajectory of their program has been unreal. And I I saw a tweet that someone that the, and it may be different at this point, but the Canadians, um, all the medals that they had earned in the Olympics were all women so far, but this may have changed at this point. Lou, do you know that fact? I don't know that fun fact, but I'm just going to roll with that fun fact. I like that fun fact. Yeah. I mean, this was, I think I saw this two days ago. So certainly there have been a lot more events. So maybe a Canadian male athlete has won um, a, a medal, but um, it was, it was like a son texting his mom saying, hey, mom, like I just found out or, you know, something about the Canadians and all their medals are women. <laughs> so that's really interesting. And the, it was about, you know, supporting women's sports. Of course, sure. Because sure. there's no national leagues um, in Canada and stuff. So right. anyway. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Well, if we're done talking about the women's national team, there's still a little bit about the Olympics I think we should discuss. Can I move on? We good to move on? Yeah, let's go. So... Um, outside of soccer, a big part of what we talk about at Female Footballers is the mental side of the game. And in the Olympics, for those of you who weren't watching or have been living under a rock this week, um, 
Simone Biles, a USA gymnast who's considered the GOAT of gymnastics. She's, I think, a six-time gold, gold medal winner in the 2016 Olympics. I, that's a fact check. We'll have to go back to you. But um, she uh, had to step away from the competition for mental health reasons. And it's kind of spurred a large discussion about the mental side of the game in all sports. And um, I don't know about you, but I'm loving this because I feel like for the past six years with female footballers, we've been trying to have more and more of this discussion on um, how important a role of the mental side plays in sports. So at least that discussion is being had, but there are a lot of different viewpoints um, on the matter. So just for um, a little bit more background, she was warming up for a vault competition and she was supposed to do a two and a half, some sort of spin. I'm not giving this justice though. Any of you know the terminology, feel free to interrupt me. Um, but she only did a one and a half type of uh, thing that she was supposed to do. And she calls it the twisties. And she didn't feel like her head was all there. And, and she was very worried about, according to her, she was very worried about getting you know, herself injured in those types of moments when you kind of lose your head in the midair. So she pulled herself from the competition. And the media and, and lots of different people have opinions on this, one of them being, um, that uh, that that was very brave to do. That was one side of the, the spectrum. Of, it's very brave when you know you're not mentally there to pull yourself out for your team so that somebody else can step in and, and have the opportunity. And that's her background, I guess, was, you know, I wanted our team to medal and I, want, uh, I wanted to give the other girls an opportunity. Other people on the other side of the spectrum were kind of feeling like um, that's not mental toughness. When you're in a situation where you're being tested mentally, you have to persevere. So there's been a lot of discussion about um, all of that. And what it's led me to want to discuss today is obviously the situation at hand, but also the difference between mental health, mental toughness or mental strength, um, mental illness. There's a lot of different words that have been thrown around. And I think that there's a lot of confusion on all, what all those terms mean. And we are just want to preface, we are not sports psychologists here at Female Footballers, we're mentors. Um, and so uh, I would love to hear, let's start with the brave side. That tends to be where a lot of Olympians are coming out and talking about and supporting her. And a lot of other athletes are coming out and supporting her saying it's, it's brave to be self-aware. What do you guys think about that kind of side of it and, and just thoughts in general? Um, I personally think that um, being the most decorated female gymnast of all time, she doesn't have to prove her mental strength. Like she has already um, shown the world what she's capable of time after time after time again. So I think it's very interesting how people who, you know, may have not even played sports in their life want to criticize her for something that they probably can't even understand. Um, I also just think that um, it's so important someone at her level doing this because she is in the spotlight. Like maybe if it was a, you know, less known athlete or um, someone not as decorated as her wouldn't have drawn as much attention as it has. But the fact that she is Simone Biles is like even more so important. I think in the same way that Naomi Osaka has cited mental health before. Um, and yeah, I just, I think that she has so much on her plate besides just gymnastics. Like 
she is a Black woman in this country and I think faces on the daily sexism and racism and having to juggle all of that on top of the pressures of being an Olymp Olympian, it's truly just um, incredible. So I think that she is so brave and I, I really question people who say she's not and like, I, I would really wanna know like what, what do they truly mean by that? What are they getting at beyond the surface level of just like, oh, well, she's not mentally tough because she has shown that she is time after time again. You know, they say whatever we don't understand, we tend to criticize or condemn. And I've also heard that opinions are the cheapest commodities on earth, right? So for, for me, um, you know, being in the stage that she's at and in, in not, I don't even know that she even considered like, oh, what will this do if I make this decision? It was really solely for her. And, you know, she's got to know there's going to be a kickback and there's going to be people sharing their opinions and blasting over social media and things like that. But for her, in her mind and in her heart, that was the right thing to do. And I think that she was very poised and stoic in doing so. It wasn't like a breakdown of anything. I think I think that her um, decided to, you know, pull out shows true character and leadership in the sense of she's not saying, woe is me, I feel bad for myself, but she's like, as a leader, I'm not fit to do the job. And I'm I'm passing the baton to somebody else that I know will be able to fulfill it. And I think that in itself is a, a mark of distinction of leadership. And I think that in itself also requires mental toughness to be able to do that in such a fashion that she's done. So, I mean, much respect for her. I think it was very, very brave, um, you know, and I think that it just creates an awareness for everybody else that, to say, hey, look, even the, the pros are, you know, struggling with them things, some of those things. And she's putting herself first in the sense of her mental health is more important than the medals that she can acquire. So I think that in and of itself was a great message. So um, a lot of respect for her, no doubt. I think kind of bouncing off both of what both of you have said. First, the level of discipline, speaking to the leadership piece, that it takes to pull yourself out of the Olympics when you are the best in the world, there's no way she wants to do that. She's not saying, oh, I'm just going to step back. There's no lack of um, dedication there. Um, and it does, it takes a tremendous discipline to not put yourself into a potentially very risky situation. I know we've talked about the twisties a bit, and it's literally where you're in the air and you're not sure if you're going to land properly. And that could be the difference between breaking your neck or landing on your feet. And so it is an incredibly dangerous situation that she could potentially be putting herself into. And it ties back, and people have been talking a little bit about um, Carrie Strug in the 90s in the Olympics, who I wouldn't say forced, but there was definitely pressure for her to compete in the vault on a sprained, broken ankle. And thinking about that now, it's like, why did she feel pressure to do that when that's incredibly dangerous and very risky to her overall well being and health? So it's interesting that I think in that time period, I think there'd be more criticism. Um, if a Simone Biles had pulled themselves out for a mental health reason versus a physical reason, like it's very, it would be totally okay if Carrie didn't do it, she broke her ankle. Well, it's like, mm, mental health needs to be treated um, in the same fashion. And then kind of tying back to what Jordan said about all the things on her plate, um, Simone has said in interviews that she, one of the main reasons she came back to the Olympics was to make sure that USA Gymnastics was held accountable for sexual 
abuse and assault because she was the only survivor left on the team from the whole um, Dr. Nasser situation. And imagine that being a reason that you also are coming back to be a leader is that you're trying to make sure that the organization that is meant to protect you and the other athletes is doing what they're supposed to. So she's an incredible individual, both mentally, physically, all of it. And I think it's really admirable that she made that tough decision to pull herself out of the biggest stage when that's of course not what she wants to do. Yeah, for those of you who um, need any kind of background on any of this, the documentary Athlete A on Netflix is a, a great resource. It explains a lot about USA Gymnastics and Dr. Nasser and how over 500 um, gymnasts um, testified against him and he was in prison for sexual misconduct. Um, so that's a great one. And then um, the other documentary that we reference on our social media that this plays a role with is called The Weight of Gold. And it is Michael Phelps documentary about Olympians, the pressures they face um, with mental health situations and how there's actually a, a large number of athletes who have committed suicide after the Olympics are over. And Simone Biles has referenced just those pressures, um, the weight of the world being on her shoulders. I think those are her exact words in her social media post. And so um, you brought up something, Haley, that I think is interesting to talk about in our sport in soccer. I got in this debate with a few different people this week. Um, if we're on the field and we feel our groin muscle, for example, start to pull, you can feel it, it's slightly pulled. You know that if you have another sprint, you might tear that groin you're gonna tell your coach, you're gonna be like, uh, and you can't go 100%. So most likely you're either gonna get pulled or you're gonna to ask to get pulled to save your leg, right? For some reason in our country, that is okay, right? In our sports, it's okay to pull yourself out from a physical injury. When it comes to mental reasons, um, and you can equate this to our sport again, let's say it's a shootout that our national team was in on Friday. Um, if you're in that huddle and let's say, you know, you're asked to be one of the five shooters and you say, uh, -uh I, I know I'm not mentally there. Like I don't have the confidence right now. Um, I got in an argument with somebody this week about it and they were like, well, then you're out. Like if you're not mentally fit at the level you're supposed to be at in the Olympics, like I'm going to pull you, you're not playing the next game. And I think there's been this, um, pushback on the other side of just, um, sort of you're expected to be like for Simone that some people are criticizing her for like, you're supposed to be the epitome of, of every, every avenue of sport, mentally, physically, technically, all of that. And you're at the Olympics and uh, you know, I've become her defensive person all week, but um, I don't know if you guys have heard those other arguments of sort of like in our sport, if you go to your coach and you're like, I'm not mentally there. And, and you can equate it to the business corporate world too. If, if you have a big presentation and you say to your boss, like, I'm not, I can't present today. I'm not mentally there. Like you possibly could get fired, right? So I think it, it speaks to a larger issue in our culture of, of mental health. And that's where that word has come into play. Um, but I don't know, what are your guys' thoughts on some of the pushback she's getting when it comes to um, you're expected to push through persevere mentally in this? Well, I think also think about all the other Olympians who probably are going through the exact same thing, but don't have that platform and probably are suffering from the same issues and they just don't win. So you don't talk about it and you don't see it. So I think that 
that's not really addressing specifically what you said, but it just came to mind in terms of that. Um, the conversation is being had because the best person in the world who's expected to have that stuff together all the time, Naomi Osaka as well, they're showing that actually that's not how it works. And for every sport, if you talk to any professional athlete, they're going to have highs and lows in their career in, in the mental side of the game. And it just so happens that this happened at the Olympics. Like, of course, that's unfortunate, um, the timing of it, but I think it's really difficult kind of what we've mentioned also to judge people when they are not in that situation and haven't had though she's even talked about the argument you had about the pk and i think that's a perfect example of well you're out but it's not like oh you let the team down necessarily it takes a lot to come forward and say i'm i can't i can't do this i'm not there you're not doing it because you don't want to take it you're doing it because you don't want your team to lose and that's exactly what simone has done when i think recognizing as athletes we're all human first and so it, it wasn't a decision she made like snap, like I'm not doing this. It's she had, was working through the process of physically, mentally, emotionally preparing for these, these, this event. And throughout the process, she came to terms with the fact that she wasn't gonna be able to give what she needed. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not all or nothing. It's not that she's not there supporting her team to still work towards what they're trying to accomplish. Um, just like if you don't take the PK, it doesn't mean that you didn't work through that game and give your heart and soul. Um, or the accomplishment of what they're working toward. So I think it's important to recognize we are human first. And I'm, I mean, that was brave. It's brave to step up and say, hey, I, I don't have it, I'm not doing it. Somebody else take the baton. To that point, I'll just say, I think it shows a lot about her ego as well. And like in the situation that you mentioned, Cassie, like if a star player on the US Women's National Team says, you know, I'm not in it today, I, I can't take this PK. They're probably saying it because they think they might miss it. And then that could cost, you know, the whole team and the whole nation like a game. Um, so I would see that as really admirable and a sign of good leadership, um, showing that the, the player at hand doesn't have an ego that's going to get in the way of the team's success. Um, I think similarly, for Simone to be able to pull out like she did, it gave the opportunity for her other teammates to really shine and, and help their team win. And I think um, even in one of the press conferences, all of her teammates were just applauding her and saying, you know, we couldn't have done this without you, this was for you. And I think it goes to show like the best gymnast of all time is able to put her, like one, her ego aside, but also like her mental health at the forefront and say, you know, this is not for me. I don't need to prove to anyone what I'm capable of. Like I'm taking care of myself um, this time around. And so I think it's really, really admirable. I saw um, something also recently that, and this is really interesting, especially Cassie and I are both um, educators by trade. And um, so Simone for, I, and I don't have a, the exact facts, but ha she has ADHD and she has taken Ritalin um, for a long time since she was diagnosed. And again, I don't have these exact facts, but um, in Japan, Ritalin is illegal. Oh, wow. So she was not allowed to bring her medication with her. Um, what's the other one, Cass? There's Ritalin and- Concerta. Yeah. What, That's one of them. Yeah. So they're, they're um, Adderall. Adderall, yeah. Adderall. 
So maybe it's Adderall actually that's illegal. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm messing. All right, we'll do a fact check. Not really. Whatever it is, the the one that she has been taking regularly for many years because she was diagnosed when she was younger. Um, she was not allowed to to bring to Japan because it's illegal in Japan to the point where you get jailed. So she has been off, she had been off that medication then for as long as she'd been in Japan there. The other one is legal. So I think Adderall is illegal and Ritalin is legal. I will do if I'll do a fact check on this. Thank you. Um, but whichever one she has been on for a long time is illegal. So she could not take that with her. And, um, and so this is to your point, Cassie talking about mental illness and the ADHD component of this and her needing this medication and then has to try to go compete at the highest level without it um, is, is a major factor. Um, Cause I know that I've, I've been with kids who have had ADHD and this, these are younger school age kids and certainly medication is not the first answer um, there's lots of strategies you try. There's all sorts of, you know, tools that we, we try to use before you go to medication. Um, but a lot of times certain humans need it to help balance things. And Simone was one of these. And she is, she is um, open about it because after the 2016 Olympics or, or during the 2016 Olympics, um, someone hacked in and found medical records or something. And so it came out that she was on this. And so she was open about it and said, yes, I've, I've had ADHD and trying to take the stigma away from that, which was great. Um, and with Rio, she got like, you know, there's some process you have to go through when you're, when you take medication. So she got the clearance for that. But with Tokyo, she, there was no way to do that. So I, that is a really big factor to me that she wasn't able to take the medication that she needed. Um, and then to be talking about the twisties because, you know, I, I, I didn't do a lot of gymnastics so certainly not flipping my body around like they did. Um, but I can imagine like, if you get lost in the air, how terrifying that would feel. Um, and I, the, the BMX watching the BMX uh, writers and hearing the, the commentator about that. He was talking specifically about Simone and cause the, the other commentator wasn't a BMX guy. And he was saying, so what? And he said, uh, he talked about air awareness in the BMX and then it, Simone came up and he talked about like, oh yeah, if you lose that air awareness, like you're just going to fall or you don't know what's going to happen. And so I think that's a really interesting piece to this whole story because it's, it is a mental health or a mental illness with ADHD. And then we have Simone being strong enough to recognize her in her own body. Like, I'm not okay. This I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to get hurt um, or I'm not there both physically. And that's a physical thing. Like if she knows that she did that vault and she knew, she knew right away. Like I, I didn't do what I was planning to do. And she went off with her coach or her, you know, whoever it was, and then came to that decision. But um, so again, I think that anyone who's critical of her is like, you've never been in those shoes. Um, and, and even if she wasn't the most decorated, like why would we ever want to put a human in this situation if they're mentally not in a good space to try to fling their body in these crazy, positions um, and risk that.
Um, and to your point, uh, Haley, and well, everyone talking about her leadership, like there's no better leader than that. Someone who's honest and vulnerable and um, open about what's happening and not just, no, I'm going to do this, this, I'm the best. And, you know, and that whole thing, I, I did feel there was a lot, there was so much pressure on her, of course, just because she is so decorated. Um, but like when she got her own what was it? Emoji thing, the goat thing that came up on Twitter when you wrote in Simone, she got her own thing. First female athlete to get that, just all these things like that, that contribute to her just feeling that load of pressure that she talked about the weight of the world. And, and Michael Phelps talked about that and he definitely resonated with her and the feelings that she was having. So, you know, I think if anyone can relate he might be the, the closest, you know, I don't know. Cause especially in individual sport, but he's also not throwing his body like up into the air and trying to land. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Gymnastics is just insane. So the, the, the movie, the weight of gold is seriously, he goes into depth about it, but he also brings up. And, and I think this is where I wish the conversation would veer more towards here in the media. Like everyone is scrutinizing her every move and it's more about her as a person. But to me, the conversation needs to be more about, well, clearly the athletes at the highest level are struggling in every sport mentally. So what are we doing about it as a country to support them on every level, the youth level, the national team level, the Olympic level, there needs to be more discussion on the support they have. And Michael Phelps in that documentary discusses the fact that they did not have like mental health train, mental help and trainers for that um, at the Olympics. They did not feel supported. I mean, in that documentary, there's suicides because there's nobody there to help. I'm curious, and maybe you guys can answer this. Does she travel with a sports psychologist or a therapist? I mean, the fact that, I mean, this might be a little critical of her, but the fact that she is able to post whatever she wants on social media, um, at the Olympics, um, you would think in a situation like this, and maybe I'm old school, but I wouldn't want my athlete if I was with somebody and I'm, I'm helping them through a really hard time like this. I don't know that I'd want them able to access their social media in a situation like this. I think she probably wanted to go and be able to say what she wanted to say without having a press conference, I totally get that, but who knows? And according to him in that documentary and a lot of other Olympians, they did not have the support from their federations in each sport. I know the US Soccer Federation is not super supportive. I know the national team uses Headspace as, as something they often tra travel with their own psychologists, but USA Gymnastics is a disaster right now. So who knows what kind of help she's getting. And in my opinion, like if she doesn't have somebody there at all times, like helping her, that's crazy to me. It's crazy that in today's day and age, there isn't more support for them. And it goes back to what we do. There needs to be more help for youth because this starts at age eight to 10 with female athletes and their mentality. And, you know, I think people need to realize that mental health is an umbrella term, just like physical health. Think of everything that would go under physical health. You have your physical body of you your internal organs, like everything that goes along with that. With mental health, you have mental strength, you have mental illness, you have self-awareness, you have so many different things that would go under that umbrella um, that need to be talked about and dealt with. And so it's just, I hope this leads into those discussions and it just doesn't stop with 
Simone Biles because we saw Naomi Osaka and now we're seeing Simone Biles. It's going to continue if we don't start doing something about it. Well, if I can touch on kind of just a larger societal issue, I think that stems from a lot of this is we, we focus a lot, the media focuses a lot on gender roles, gender differences, race, racial issues, the big topic and class, all those things. And that's a kind of what you focus on when you're in a sociology class, it's uh, race, social class, um, and gender. We don't talk about disability ever. And we live in a society and just a little bit of my background, I studied disability studies in college. And that's something that I want to do later in my career, but we live in an able-bodied society and Olympic athletes are the vision of what an able body is. And we assume that means mind and body and we're kind of touching on the mental illness thing. That's awesome that you bring that up, Rachel. I didn't know about her ADHD medication, but that's like a disability rights issue to be completely honest. She's not having access to the care that she needs in order to perform. Um, another story that was in the news is a Paralympic athlete. Her name's Becca Myers. She's a blind deaf swimmer who dropped out of the Olympics because the Olympic committee said, we're not going to let your mom come to be your guide. And it made her feel uncomfortable and she couldn't participate. So it's a matter of, we need to take care of athletes mentally and physically, whether that's mental health related to psychology or it's addressing a disability. And it's a very fine line that they ride along. But I think our approach in society is that we focus on what the typical body looks like, what the typical mind works looks like, and that we need to veer toward that typical. I say typical instead of normal because there's no normal body or normal mind when there's such variation. But if we can approach how we look at people from there are differences and we need to accommodate for those differences, that continued conversation will make Simone and Naomi not seem like anomalies, but just very normal and very common. They just happen to be some of the biggest names in the sport. That's a great point. Absolutely. Um, I think I think it, it definitely, the Olympics plays a role in this whole idea of what perfection is and that perfection in the world exists, unfortunately, in a lot of people's minds. And it also brings up the idea of, do we value the athletes themselves or do we value winning at all costs? And I think many people would say, well, that's what the Olympics is. It's winning no matter what. It's all about the gold medal. And I think our society today, especially in America, we're starting to say, well, is that what's best? And um, the Carrie Strug thing is a perfect example of that is, I don't know if you guys know, but she, she was 18 in that Olympics, the 96 Olympics, and she retired after that. Her body could not physically handle continuing. And I, I doubt her mind could either after what was going on in USA Gymnastics at that time. But honestly, it was kind of that we, we glorified this person winning when really it was at the detriment of her own physical and mental health. And it's like, what do we value the most? And the Olympics to me, it's like, I used to, I mean, I still do love the Olympics, but I definitely have a different viewpoint of like, oh, is this healthy to epitomize the typical body and the typical mind? Is this healthy for our youth, you know? I think gymnastics, especially, right? Cause it's, it is uh, subjective scoring um, to these, to these, all the events that they do and, um, 
yeah, just that, perf- I, I guess, just going on that perfectionist culture. Um, and that, and that gymnastics of all the sports has been um, specialized at such a young age, longer than, you know, say soccer and, and some of the other sports. So really seeing that um, impact. I, I didn't know, I, I mean, I assumed Carrie uh, retired after those Olympics, but that is pretty telling. And I know Simone, even, you know, at 24, she's not young for, especially for gymnastics. And so, um, you know, it, and where that is, and then your brain developing, right? They're talking about our brain being fully developed at age 25 now. So, and these young gymnasts are what, 16, 17, 18, when they're competing and um, just need, like you said, Cassie, the, the support to be able to, to handle all this. And, and I, I don't know, you know, gymnastics is so interesting because it is a perfectionist sport. So how they deal with that, how they approach their mental um, strength or mental skill training and rebounding after that wasn't perfect, or, oh, I took that half step, or I missed that, that move or whatever it was, you know, or I, I stepped out. I mean, it's like half an inch, right. Or a centimeter, they step off on their floor routine and it's like, there's a half a point deducted or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty um, intense that way in terms of the perfection, you know, in soccer. Yeah. You know, half an inch, you'll miss, you'll hit the post instead of it going in or whatever. But at the same time, if, if you're like, Oh, I'm just having an off touch day or whatever, you can always like run harder and play good defense or like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a different um, and also the individual versus team sport piece of it. Totally. I just want to comment quickly on like her identity as a black woman and how that um, feeds into how the media is reacting, how the world is reacting. Um, I think it's it's really important to call out here because I think oftentimes not only athletes, um, you know, are expected to be superhumans, but I see that um, like women and black women especially are expected to. Um, persevere through things and are, are cited as being strong when they do so. Um, but then, you know, someone in, in the same exact position um, who might, might be a white man, for example, isn't held to the same standard or criticized um, like maybe a black woman is. And I'll, I'll give an example of this. Um, some of you might see, have seen uh, Novak Djokovic come out and say that pre- pre- pressure is a privilege. And if you um, want to be at the top, you better start learning how to deal with that um, on and off the court. He said this about Simone, I think, sometime last week. And then he went on in the bronze, bronze match to throw his ten- tennis racket into the stands and basically throw um, a huge tantrum on the court, um, something that if there had been fans in the stands would have got him um, ejected. Uh, I read an article that said it could have got him arrested, like, very violent um, tantrum. And I, I don't really know if people are talking about it, but I, I only recently heard about it um, over this weekend. And I think it's just really interesting how, you know, he's so quick to say, you better start learning how to deal with pressure and how to cope with high stress moments, but then can't even handle the pressure of what may be winning a bronze medal and goes on to throw a fit about it. Um, and, and, you know, we, when you think of tennis and, and that world, I think of Serena Williams and the 
the pressure she's faced for, you know, maybe getting up a little upset or questioning um, the referee's calls. And if she had done that, I really wonder what the media would be saying right now and how she would be portrayed. Um, but I think, you know, it's Djokovic and people aren't really paying attention because that behavior is acceptable. Also really frustrating a player like Djokovic, who is one of the best athletes in the world, is also one of the most sexist individuals in the world and no one calls him out on it. A lot of stuff like speaking to what you're saying about Simone is a black woman, but also he doesn't believe that women um, tennis players should be allowed to play in the professional tennis association with the men. So there's just a lot of issues there. And it's frustrating that he's allowed to just kind of come out and say those things. And of course the pushback is better now because of kind of how we're evolving, but it's incredibly frustrating that we give him any airtime with all that stuff. And the tantrums are insane. If a female player throws a tantrum like that, the reaction is the exact opposite. And she's, she's done basically. Yeah, I think that's a great yeah. point. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Jordan. I was just gonna say the reaction is emotional. Like, oh, she can't handle her emotions. She's not strong, but he does it. And it's like, oh, just another day, just another tantrum. I think that that's why like, um, I think it was the race and the gender of this continuing and seeing what other athletes will go through moments of this, like Simone has had and the reaction that they will get will be very interesting. I think that the scrutiny that she and Naomi Osaka have faced have very much to do with their gender and race. And I think um, I, that's why I think like what you said, Rachel, like Michael Phelps coming out, I didn't see, I, I think I saw part of the interview where he kind of mentioned that he had moments like that. But I think it's important that those moments happen in the future, like they're happening now where it's current and they pull themselves out rather than glorifying all these gold medals and then saying something later. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see how it, it goes. But it's, I'll be interested, you know, depending what happens with the women's national team, if they win or lose, if they're, if they're if they get to talk about their experience at the Olympics in a mental capacity and, um, and you know, how they felt about it, what they saw. Um, so it, yeah, it'll be interesting. Any other thoughts about this? I could talk for a long time on all these things. So <laughs> did you see there's a Bleacher Report uh, cartoon they drew of after the US beat the Netherlands? Did you see this cast? They no. drew, uh, they drew, um, a picture depicting, uh, you know, the Netherlands since it was a rematch of the World Cup final. So there was like a picture of Rapino holding. It was a cartoon holding up the World Cup um, trophy and the Netherlands, and she's like kind of like villainized. And then a Netherlands player is like kind of weeping next to her. And then the next one is Alex Morgan, like with the with the Olympics, and another Netherlands player like looking like weak and. You know, and again, so the the whole thing was like, okay, so we're gonna villainize the the winners and make these Dutch look like they're these weak, you know, terrible, you know. And they pulled they pulled the image because it was just so classless. It's like they would never do that to to men's like maybe a political satire sort of thing, but not a not that Bleacher Report is like, you know, that great. But anyway, I thought it was interesting to your point about the 
the male female thing and how people react to their reactions in athletics. Yeah, there was, I was, I thought you were going to say there was like a little drawing of, it was like the three podium and I think it was gymnastics and um, behind the gold medal podium, like the girl standing there, there was an even taller one. And at the top of that bar, they had Simone like um, kind of going and it just said something about like basically the fact that like she is overshadowing some of the other things. But in my opinion, like the conversation, like I think that's to, to end this kind of is she's winning because she's bringing up a topic that needs to be talked about and is so important. And so regardless if she medals or not individually or as a team, like what we, what she is bringing to all sports right now is incredibly important and vital and, and going forward in all sports. And so I'm just so grateful for her, hundred percent support her. Um, we are more than happy to hear other viewpoints though. If, if our listeners have thoughts, please email us or, or um, comment on our social media. We want to hear other viewpoints. We're more than welcome to being open-minded about hearing things. We might not change our opinions. <laughs> um, any last thoughts you guys on this? Yeah, I mean, I could go forever too, Haley. Like I, like there's so many facets to this, but again, I really encourage everybody to watch those two um, documentaries. There's also LFG, if you haven't watched LFG on the Women's Equal Pay, um, Women's National Team Equal Pay. That's also another documentary that's important to watch, I think, as they play, because that's still going on right now. They just refiled, I believe. And so um, it's important to kind of keep an eye on all of that kind of stuff if you're a sports fan. So, all right. Well, thank you guys. I'm sure we'll have another update for the Olympics at some point, just to recap whatever happens this next week um, as the the women's soccer ends, I believe Thursday is the final, August 5th. And so we'll see what happens going forward. But um, thank you guys for your thoughts. This was really in, important to bring up all the different facets that we talked about. And um, thank you listeners for listening. We really appreciate your support um, in spreading the word on our podcast. And uh, we look forward to, to many more of these. So thanks again for listening. Thanks guys. Hello, everybody. Just wanted to provide a quick fact check of some of the things that we mentioned in our podcast today. Um, first of all, we wanted to mention that Simone Biles has won six medals, four of which were gold, not six. So we apologize if that was uh, misconstrued. We also wanted to let everyone know that the discussion about her ADH meds, um, athletes were permitted to apply for permission to bring and drugs with them to Tokyo, which would apply to Adderall and other stimulant drugs. Um, but that was not Simone Biles' regimen. Um, unfortunately, there was an illegal release of high-profile athletes' medical data in 2016, which showed Biles positive for Ritalin, um, which was also used for ADHD. So we believe that Simone Biles uses Ritalin. Um, she had to then publicly at the time in 2016 address that she was diagnosed with ADHD and that she has taken the medication since she was a child to manage her symptoms. Um, I believe after that, um, in 2016, she did file for a therapeutic use exemption, uh, which enabled her to continue taking the drug in the 2016 Olympics. Um, we know the laws in Japan are extremely stringent when it comes to stimulants, such as Ritalin or Adderall. Um, 
So athletes and non-athletes can apply for the import certificate, allowing for the import of some otherwise prohibited drugs, um, such as these ADHD meds. Um, it, I believe he, if she were to fill that out, she would be covered to continue taking Ritalin in Tokyo. Um, we're not exactly sure at this point if she is on the medication or not. The question was about whether or not the use of the meds affected her case of the twisties, is which they're talking about, um, losing her kind of sight and, and um, lack of mental awareness in flight of her vaulting. Um, they don't believe the lack of medication if she's not taking it is, um, is to blame. Um, so that's all we have right now. We will let you know if we have any updates to our fact check um, on our social media. But again, we really appreciate you listening in. And um, if you have thoughts about any of this, we really do want to hear all the different thoughts that, that you have. So please don't be afraid to send us an email or um, shoot us a comment on any of our social platforms. Thanks again for listening.